So our lesson for the morning is the purpose of trials, and our text is James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, which read as follows. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith works patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So now, God bless the reading of his word this morning, and let us bow our heads in a word of prayer. Gracious God, our Father, we thank you afresh for the total sufficiency of Jesus Christ, for the perfect teaching ministry of your blessed Holy Spirit, and for his ability to explain your word. So give us the words to say, and let us say them with liberty, with clarity, and with boldness, and that somebody listening might believe the report. Thanking you in advance for all that you are going to do in the strong and perfect name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Now, thank you very much for coming to hear the message for today. And before we begin our next lesson, let us reiterate our reason for attending church. We attend church to obtain the mind of Christ, meaning to have the Bible illuminated in our minds so that we can clearly understand the principles that Jesus taught and base our daily personal decisions on those principles. We come to church because we want to be obedient to the Bible, which is the doctrine of Jesus Christ in an informed, insightful, and intelligent manner. Now, as we've read in our text, James chapter 1, verse 2 and 3 tells us, Brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Now, the scripture that links joy and trials is a curious one. Generally speaking, we think of avoidance rather than joyful anticipation when the topic of trials comes up. A good example exists in Matthew chapter 16, verse 21, in which Jesus predicts his suffering at the hands of the Jews and the Romans, followed by his death on the cross. The Bible says, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Now, did you happen to listen to the prophecy of Jesus as I just read it to you? He told them that he would suffer at the hands of the Jewish leadership and be killed, which is certainly a trial. But Jesus also prophesied that he had a requirement to endure his trial with patience and that his trial would culminate, culminate in triumph, that being his resurrection from the dead on the third day after his death. Now, even though Jesus prophesied a triumphant resurrection for the end of his trial, Peter found it necessary to rebuke Peter for making that prophecy in the next verse. Matthew chapter, six, chapter, uh, chapter 16, verse 22 tells us, Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. So now, why did Peter rebuke Jesus? The answer is given in Luke's account of Jesus' prophecy, which ends it with Luke explaining in Luke chapter 18, verse 34, But they, that is the disciples, understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them, and they did not know the things which were spoken. So Peter and the other disciples understood neither the physical nor the spiritual significance of Jesus' death, 
burial, and most importantly, resurrection. So rather than agreeing with Jesus, Peter maintained the human perspective. Now, the human perspective is generally to try to avoid trials at all costs, especially those that may end in great bodily harm or death to ourselves or our loved ones. Now, James's pronouncement in James chapter 1, verse 2 and 3, that we should embrace trials is, from a human standpoint, counterintuitive. Even to us that know the history of Christianity and understand the commitment that Christianity requires. Any of us who have accomplished an objective know that know that enduring of trials is usually part of the successful completion of a task. I remember just very recently listening to a conversation after one of our services in which the members of the congregation were discussing the budgetary problems of one of the departments of state government and the possibility that some people may have to endure trials in association with that budget shortfall. Now, although James tells us to count trials as joy, no one involved in the conversation seemed to be rejoicing over the prospect of this particular trial. And by the same token, I'm not rejoicing either. But Peter was not able to get into the program of counting trials as joy. The Bible tells us of Peter's continued negative reaction to this particular trial on the night that Jesus was arrested. In the book of Mark, chapter 14, verses 27 through 31, the Bible says, Then Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, even if all are made to stumble, yet I will not be. Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you that today, even this night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But Peter spoke more vehemently. Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said likewise. Now Jesus is warning Peter and the other disciples that they are going to fail the test when the test actually comes. So all of the disciples are going to stumble. And just as Jesus said, when the trial actually comes, neither Peter nor any of the other disciples will be up to the test. The following passage of scripture from Matthew and Luke tell the story. The Bible says, then all the disciples forsook him and fled. And those who had laid hold on, of Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. But Peter followed him at a distance to the high priest's courtyard, and he went in and sat with the servants to see the end. Now Peter sat outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him saying, You also were with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you're saying. And when he had gone out into the gateway, another girl saw him and said to those who were there, this fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And a little later, those who stood by came up and said to Peter, surely you are one of them, for your speech betrays you. Then he began to curse and swear, saying, I do not know the man. And immediately a rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. 
Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. Now Peter and the disciples promised to go with Jesus to the end, ostensibly to protect Jesus. Peter, however, was deterred from action by two servant girls, neither one of whom had any military or prosecutorial authority, and a few people who happened to be standing by, who were also not directly involved with the prosecution of Jesus. When the crowd challenged Peter because his accent was Galilean, Peter became aggressive to the point of profanity, not in the protection of Jesus, but in his denials of being with Jesus. Then Jesus turned and looked at Peter. So Jesus' trial was to go to the cross. Peter's trial was simply to watch. Jesus was able to endure his trial, his crucifixion, with a positive demeanor while Peter began cursing when challenged about why he was watching about his affiliation with Jesus. As has already been mentioned, the disciples, including Peter, did not understand about the import of Jesus' prophecies and the idea of the resurrection from the dead on the third day was just a little bit past them. So now, what is the point of these trials? Paul expands on James' declaration that trials reduce patience in Romans chapter 5, verse 3 through 5, which reads, And not only that, but we glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So James and Paul combine to tell us that trials produce patience, perseverance, character, and hope. So the major benefit of enduring trials from the standpoint of the Bible is to help us develop patience, perseverance, and character, and to recognize that neither the plan of God the situation in the world, nor our personal de destiny revolves around our desires of the moment. So regardless of what you have in mind to do right now, God is teaching us through these scriptures that he has another agenda. God is teaching us through these scriptures not to be in a self-centered hurry to obtain our objectives and to not be impatient with life. God wants us to realize that maturity is the function of a process which we must endure patiently. And he is teaching us that as prepared as we may feel that we are by our previous experiences, our experiences are no match for the myriad of circumstances and situations that life can throw at us. If we patiently endure our circumstances while maintaining our faith in him, we will eventually be able to triumph over our circumstances, if not in this life, certainly in the next. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 through 18, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us, a, more a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. 
For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And we've already mentioned the fact that one of the reasons that Jesus was able to endure his trial with equanimity and the apostles were not, not able even to watch Jesus undergoing the trial with composure was the fact that Jesus had a perspective on the outcome of the trial that the apostles did not. Jesus knew that the magnitude of the pain that he was about to endure at the hands of the Jews and the Romans, and he weighed his suffering against the opportunity that his suffering would produce in the lives of those of us whom he was saving. Jesus knew that we would have no chance to enter the kingdom of God if he did not make the choice to suffer, and his love both for us and for his Father in heaven led him to make the decision to go through the cross. And it was a decision, not a given. As the ordeal of the cross loomed ever closer, Jesus felt the need to ask God for a reprieve. Matthew chapter 26, verse 36 to 39 records, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Now, there is a certain affinity that we have for the flesh that makes it difficult for us to be sanguine about the prospect of being injured. And Jesus was contemplating the prospect of being killed by an extremely hideous, painful process. But his assertion, nevertheless, not as I will, makes it clear that he did not really want to suffer this death, but was volunteering to do it only to fulfill the will of God. God recognized Jesus' reticence to suffer, as Luke chapter 22, verse 43 and 44 tells us. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. So Jesus' anticipation of his crucifixion caused him such agony that even he needed strengthening from heaven to prepare to undergo the process. The cross situation was actually a serious trial for Jesus as he was not preparing to face it as God, but as a man. But I hope that you can comprehend that going to the cross was a wise decision for Jesus. Those of, those of us who've seen the movie The Passion of the Christ have somewhat of an idea of the magnitude of the suffering that was involved in Jesus' sacrifice, and we may marvel at the ability of someone to come to the personal decision to endure that level of suffering for the sake of another. One of the reasons that those who do not believe the Bible consider it a work of fiction is that they are led by their short-term focus on current pleasures to the point that they simply cannot consider the discipline required to give oneself in the way that Jesus did so. As a matter of fact, the overriding characteristic of those who choose not to believe in Jesus and reject the opportunity to join the Christian band is their self-centeredness, which clashes with the prime directive of Christianity, 
to give oneself. Now, the majority of us who have joined the Christian band are self-centered to some degree as well, which is why the scripture tells us to anticipate the fact that we will have to undergo trials to develop the patience, maturity, and ability to adhere to Christian principles in our interactions with others. Coming to a saving knowledge of and faith in the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ does not bestow Christian maturity on us any more than being able to heal the sick and raise the dead made Jesus Christ our Savior. Jesus Christ became our Savior because he took on the trial of the cross when he gave himself for us, as the writer of the book of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 5 and then 7 through 9, which said, So also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was God who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you, who in the days of his flesh, when Christ had offered up prayers and supplications, with vehement cries and tears to God who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. So now the scripture tells us that God heard Jesus' cry to be saved from death but that rather than allowing Jesus to avoid the suffering of the cross, God sent an angel to strengthen Jesus, that Jesus might successfully endure the suffering of the cross, as the cross was intended not just to be salvation for us, but also the lesson of obedience for Jesus that would perfect him and make him the perfect arbiter of eternal salvation for us. The writer of the Hebrews describes our relationship to Jesus in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 through 16, saying, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now our prayer period is coming up shortly. We need mercy and grace to help us. There's no question about it. All of us that believe in God are bringing our personal concerns to him with a request for his help in the name of Jesus. Jesus is our great high priest, the one who intercedes with God for us, the one who can sanctify our illegitimate sacrifice with his own blood and make it holy. Now listen to what the Bible says about prayers. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 59, verses 1 and 2, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor is his ear heavy that it cannot hear, but your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. Now, our prayers can be earnest and heartfelt, but yet never avail if there is unconfessed sin in us. We are not heard for our much zeal and fervor and emotion and agony, praying when we are disobeying God 
is powerless praying. Let us never forget that right living is a necessary condition for the person who prays. In the book of 1 John chapter 1, verse 6 through 9, the Bible says, If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one on, with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we need someone worthy to intercede for us when we pray. And Jesus who eradicated the influence of sin by his sacrifice on the cross, is that one. By his successful endurance of his trial, we now have access to the grace of God. And we are called to emulate Jesus' example, to avoid walking in darkness by renouncing our sin and walking in his light, receiving the cleansing from unrighteousness that he wants to give us all. And then God sends us trial so that we can practice following in Jesus' footsteps. And we are called by the scriptures to rejoice when we see the trial and the potential for personal growth that the trial brings us. And as well as being repentant of our own sin, we also have to be aware of the potentially selfish nature of our prayers. Book of James chapter 4 verse 3 tells us, You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it, on your pleasures. Now we are all naturally selfish. As we grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ and emulate his example, we find ourselves becoming more selfless because his sacrifice on Calvary was the most selfless act in the history of the world. Jesus instructs us in Matthew chapter 7 verse 7 and chapter 6 verse 33. He says, ask and it will be given to you Seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Are selfish prayers answered? Ought we consider the wishes of God before we pray and pray the nevertheless prayer? Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will, that Jesus prayed in Gethsemane. Now listen to Jesus interact with a man making a request of him in Luke chapter 12, verse 13 through 21, which says, Then one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? Then he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully, and he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and my goods, and I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. 
then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God. Now, when we pray and as we live, we must, as Jesus said, take heed and beware of covetousness. Having the correct attitude in trying situations is one way to develop this discipline. It is certainly not wrong to pray, take this cup from me when faced with trials, because Jesus prayed that very prayer. However, we have to be sensitive to the fact that it may be God's will that we endure the consequences of drinking the cup in his strength and with his help, even as did Jesus, rather than coveting the ease of being relieved of the responsibility of drinking the cup. Now, there's no question that I pray that things will go well for myself, for my wife, and for my son. I pray for those of you that have children, that their educational pursuits will be successful and that their resulting op occupational opportunities will be bright. I pray for those whose names come before the altar, who need physical healing or healing of some other kind. I believe that we have the responsibility to intercede for those who have needs, but at the same time I am becoming more and more aware that the responsibility for the lives of those for whom I pray rests in God's hands, and that their ease in every situation may not be that which is on God's agenda for them. I have come to the conclusion that my earnest and honest, from my earnest and honest study of the scripture, that God is not a cosmic genie with the charge to grant us wishes, but God is our heavenly father, and as such, disciplines us according to that from which he knows that we will benefit, even as we discipline our own children. Paul who received great revelations from God, tells us about his trials with God in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, which says, And lest I should be exalted among measure by the abundance of the revelation, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Now, some theologians speculate that this thorn was poor vision as God blinded Paul for three days when he spoke to him on the Damascus Road, and then in later epistles, Paul talks about the fact that his handwriting is noticeably larger than usual handwriting. But regardless as to what the thorn actually was, we know that Paul wanted the thorn removed from him because the scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. But God spoke to Paul, making it clear that the thorn was not going anywhere. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 and 10 tells us, And Jesus said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I most gladly will I rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So Paul learned to count his trial as joy and to boast in those infirmities with which the Lord provided him discipline. Now, although Paul prayed three times that the trial be removed, once he was given the understanding that the trial was to benefit him, he then prayed the nevertheless prayer, nevertheless, not my will, but yours, Lord, be done. 
So let us be faithful Christians who study our Bibles, develop a mature Christian mindset, and realize that God allows us to be tested and tried in order to prove just how Christian we really are. God allows our love and loyalty to be examined, and he does this through problems, persecutions, and pressures. He allows our courage and faith to be tested, and he does this through defeats, despairs, and difficulties. He allows our confidence and hope to be tried, and he does this through sorrow, sickness, and suffering. He allows our devotion and integrity to be inspected, and he does this through rivals, ridicules, and reproach. He allows our wisdom and our commitment to be proven, and he does this through conflicts, calamities, and complications. He allows our characters and our morals to be analyzed, and he does this through troubles, trials, and temptation. And that God allows our maturity and spirituality to be verified, and he does this through adversities, anxiousness, and afflictions. So let us come to grips with the fact that diamonds do not sparkle unless they have been cut and polished. Stars do not shine their brightest unless it is the darkest. Roses do not release their true fragrance unless they have been bruised or crushed. And that the brook would lose its song if all of the stones were removed. Let us, therefore, let us realize that God's purpose in allowing adverse circumstances and afflictions to come upon us is to help us and not hurt us to bless us and not burden us, to develop us and not destroy us, to cleanse us and not corrupt us, to refine us and to not ruin us, to mold us and to not shatter us. And they are intended by God to train us, not just to torment and torture us. Therefore, let us submit to the will of God. Our text in James chapter 1 today tells us, My brethren, count it all joy, when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And may our objective for the new year be the development of the maturity to say to God, not my will, but yours be done. And that is our lesson for today. Let us pray. Gracious God, our Father, we thank you for this lesson today, and we thank you for the circumstances and the situations that you have given us in this situation. And we're asking you, Lord, that you would give us the discerning wisdom, that you would give us the power of prayer, that we might come to you, and then we would give, then we would ask for the power of your communication, that you might tell us when we are facing a trial through which we must go in order to develop maturity and character and patience. And we ask you, Lord, that you would strengthen us, even as you strengthen the Lord Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane, that you would send us an angel, angel that we might be able to hold up our head and uh, face the trials with courage and with conviction, doing those things that you would have us to do despite, of, despite our circumstances. And now, Lord, we ask you that you would bless us with this message, let it go down deep into our hearts, that we might remember it as we go through our coming week. And now, Lord, we thank you for all that are in the house. We ask you to give us traveling mercies as we go down from this place and bring us back at the appointed time. And now, Lord, we thank you for all these things. We thank you for your goodness, for your mercy, and for your grace. And most of all, we thank you for your sacrifice on the cross, for rising from the dead on that Sunday morning. 
Thank you, Lord, in the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and thank God. Gracious God, our Father, we thank you this morning that you have given us another opportunity to come out to the house of prayer and to call upon your name. Now, help us, Lord, to remember that in all things we are praying, not my will, but yours be done. Help us, Lord, to understand that you are in control of the universe, that you rule and that you super rule all that's going on. And we're asking you this morning that you would uh, go with everybody and stand by them and that you would look at their situation and give them that which they require that they might be able to grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Now we're praying for Dr. Allen and his family, for Brother Quarterman, for Brother Uad, and for his grandson Lincoln. We're asking you to bless in all those cases and we're thanking you for our continued uh, fellowship with them. Praying for Sister Allen and her family this morning and we're asking you that you'd bless them for her mother and we ask you, Lord, that you would continue uh, to let those who are involved in that situation with her great-grandchildren to continue to give her aid and comfort as she works on those young fellas and ladies. Also praying for uh, her husband and for her, oh, her children uh, that she's interested in and we ask the Lord that you'd uh, go along and take care of those illness situations. Go with them and stand by them and keep them safe from all hurt, harm, and danger that you'd heal their bodies that they might be able uh, to recover from their condition with a glorious testimony of your goodness and your mercy and your grace. Pray for Brother Budden and Sister Harris, uh, for Brother Hersey. We ask you to bless him. We pray for the store as well. And we ask you, Lord, that as the new year comes in, that new business might come in as well and that they might have uh, the wherewithal that they need to do all that they need to do in that family based upon that income. We're praying for Sister Pendleton and Sister Pruitt. We ask you, Lord, that you would continue to allow her chemotherapy uh, to be, I mean, her uh, yeah, chemotherapy to be effective. And we're also praying, Lord, for Brother Arnold and Sister Yvette Hersey, for uh, Sister Debbie Morgan, who is recovering from her reconstructive surgery. And we're asking, Lord, that you would give her mobility in the coming weeks uh, that she might be able to uh, walk and, and get from place to place on her own and that she might be able to come with a glorious testimony of your goodness and your mercy and your grace. Praying for Sister Lily Hersey and for Sister Ethel Platter, we're asking you, Lord, that in Sister Platter's case that you would give her comfort uh, from her bereavement. Just go with her and stand by her in all that she does. Praying for uh, Sister Ethel Owens as her condition has seemed to recur. And we're asking you, Lord, uh, that you would bless in that situation, that you would go with her and stand by her, uh, and that you would give her and her husband comfort as they deal with this situation as well. Praying for uh, Tolliver Michael Bragg as he is waiting for his kidney transplant, we're asking that you go with them and stand by them as well. Now, Lord, we're praying for the Beard family. We're asking you that you'd bless uh, Marcia and Julian. And we ask you that you would just go with them and stand by them through their trials and tribulations. Allow them, Lord, to come out of their situation whole and let them, uh, we, just, we just ask you, Lord, that you, you know the need there that you would intercede in that situation according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And also praying for Brother Carlos Young as well. Now I'm praying for my wife this morning and I'm asking you, Lord, that you give her a peaceful morning, uh, that you would bless her with her new project and that You'd allow that to brighten up her life and make her well. We just thank you. Uh, we just thank you, Lord, for the blessing that she has received in that case. We're still praying for Rachel Deemer's mother. 
uh, for Mother Z, whom we had a chance to visit this week, and we're asking you that you would uh, help those who are helping her, that you would grant her the activities of her limbs once again, that you would fix the problems that she has in her speech, that you would help her, Lord, in all that she does. And we ask you that you bless those who are in the nursing home that are working with her and give them patience and give them care as they take care of her case. Praying for the Rodriguez's, for Brother Tyson and his family, for Mother Versa and Mother Wills, for, for Teresa and Wendy Thompson. And we thank you, Lord, for Marie's mother, who is doing well this week. And we just thank you that uh, the medical treatment that she's had has helped her and that she's able to function after it. We continue to be in prayer for Paul as he travels up and down the dangerous highway, going to and fro, taking care of technical solutions. And we're asking you, Lord, uh, that you would make his mind a steel trap mind, that he might be able to look at all of the variables that go into the things that he has to work with, and that he might synthesize them with the wisdom of Solomon, and that he might be able to come to a conclusion that is beneficial for his clients and helps his company as well. We're praying for Rick, who's over in Iraq, and we're asking you that you keep him safe in that volatile situation where roadside bombs are blowing up folks and bombs are blowing up everywhere, Lord. We ask you that you keep him safe from the bombs and the bullets, from the guns and those who wield them with malice. And we ask you, Lord, that you let his tour of duty uh, be profitable uh, both for him and for the military and that what you would do when, when he comes down from that is that you would just give him that which he requires uh, to make it home safely. Uh, we're praying, Lord, also for Nikki Owens, for uh, Brian, and we're asking you that you continue to bless him as he has found uh, help in a Christian therapist, and we ask you that, that you just regulate his mind and fix his heart so that he would be able to uh, do that which is required uh, in his situation that be pleasing in your sight. Continuing in prayer for Sarah Roberts and in for Eric and Amanda, we're asking you that you would intervene in that situation, that you'd bless them, and that you would put them on the right path, Lord, and have them to do that which you are calling for them to do, that those things that you'd be pleased with. We just continue to bless, we just continue to ask your blessings on them. Now we're in prayer for Brother Edwards and his family, for uh, uh, for Sister Edwards' nephew who happens to be in town as well, and his inquisitive mind. And we ask you, Lord, that uh, you would keep him on the honor roll and that you would continue uh, to give him uh, thoughts and information about our inquisitiveness about the scriptures that he might be able to grow in grace and in the knowledge of your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Best to go with them all and stand by them. Let them have a good week as they're off from, off from school and staying together. And we ask you, Lord, that you would give them that which they require to enjoy family life altogether. We're also in prayer for Sister Carruthers. We're asking you that you bless her uh, as she is recovering from her heart bypass. We pray for the fullers over across the street in the store. We ask you to continue to go with them and stand by them and bless them, Sister Graham as well. Praying for Penny Rajla, who Rick has asked us to pray for, that she would continue to do well on her radiation. In prayer for Brother Lee and his family, for his wife and for Darius and Cedric. And we ask you, Lord, that you would help those young men and let them enjoy their time off from school. but prepare their minds to go back into a learning mode as they are ready to go back into that environment in another week or so. We just ask you to go with them and stand by them, bless them in all that they do. We're in prayer for the uh, Smithwick family, uh, for the Steichen family. We're asking you that you bless in those homes where uh, there is sadness and sorrow. 
And we ask you that you would uplift spirits and lighten hearts, that they might be able to recover from that. We're also still in prayer for Brother Pillow and Sister Teddy and for Brother Sanders. We're asking you that you would continue to bless in those cases, uh, that you would give Brother Sanders comfort and that you would give uh, Sister Teddy uh, that which she needs to resume uh, her piano this month. And we just, we just thank you for the blessing that you have given her to bring her out of her situation and still stay. We ask you to still continue to bless Brother Pillow. Uh, for Sister, Sister Lizzie Mae Davis and Brother Tyrone Davis, who have asked for our prayers, we give those. And we intercede for them in your name and ask you that you would look in on their case and let your will be done in their case. We ask you that you give them uh, a recovery from their physical illness and that you would go with them and stand by them and guide them in all that they do. Praying for the McClure family. We're glad to see J.J. and Janelle in town this week. And we just ask you, Lord, that you would uh, go with them and stand by them as school time will be starting for them soon as well. We ask you, Lord, that you give J.J. a good orientation into the new school into which he is going and that you would allow him to employ those same academic schools that he used at the last place in the place to which he is going. And we're praying for Janelle as she returns back down to St. Louis, that you give her traveling mercies as she travels up and down the dangerous highways, that you would keep her safe from all hurt, harm, and danger. And as she progresses through uh, the end part of her academic career and prepares to move into the workaday world, that you would let those experiences for which she has arranged uh, to go into be beneficial to her. Keep her straight on the studies as well, and we just ask you that you continue to guide and bless her. And we're praying for the parents as well. We're asking you, Lord, that you give them the wherewithal to do that which, which they are doing for their children. Uh, continue to bless them and lead, help them to lead them in the way that they should go so that when they become older, they will not depart from it. We're continuing in prayer for Sister Olney and for Brother Kraft. We're thanking you, Lord, that uh, Brother Kraft is doing very well. That he's had his feeding tube removed and that things are coming along for him. And we're asking you that you bless uh, in that case. Also praying for Brother Hokewater's family and for him as well. And as J.J. has asked us, we're praying for Brother uh, Kendall Robinson, uh, who is recovering well from his stroke. We're just asking you, Lord, that you'd go with all that we are praying for and stand by them this morning. We're praying for the Winston family, for Brother Winston, and we're asking you that you would uh, uh, help his back problem. He has a degenerative disc disease, but we know that you can regenerate that which has degenerated. And we're asking you, Lord, that you would do that now, Lord, according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Go with them and stand by them in all that they do. And we're also praying, Lord, uh, for uh, the Stewart family, uh, well, rather for the Winston family, for Sister Winston. We ask you to continue to bless her and for their son and for Sister Lynn Porter and Donna Powell, whom they've asked us to pray for. And, Lord, I'm praying for Dad down in Chicago. We're asking you that you continue to bless him. We thank you for the great birthday that he had yesterday. Another year passed, and we ask you, Lord, that you would keep him safe and strong. Allow, we thank you that you allowed him to enjoy his family in the city, uh, his brothers and his nieces and his nephews. And we ask you, Lord, that uh, you would continue to let them get together, and as, as well as uh, Uncle Nebraska over in Gary, as he has that spot on his kidney, but he's doing well. And we ask you that the diagnosis, when it comes on the 8th, would be uh, benign and all that go, would, would go well for him. We're praying for Marvin out on the East Coast, and we're asking you to continue to bless him as he prepares to instruct students going into the new year. Graduated a big class in the fall, but still has many more to go. And we ask you to go with him and stand by him as well. 
Brother Bowie, who just recently had a liver transplant or a kidney transplant, we ask you to allow that to heal in such a way that he will be able to be fully ambulatory, able to get around and do all the things that, that he wants to do uh, in his retirement day. He has to go with him and stand by him and his wife as well. Praying with Sister Frazier and Brother Miguel for Aunt Naomi. Bless her as well. Sister Janet Morgan for the Northerns in uh, Houston and for the Perkins uh, down in Lafayette, Louisiana, that you'd bless those young men that are raising those children and helping them to raise them in the way that they should go so that when they get old, they will not depart from it. Continuing in prayer for Brother Russell in White Hills, Brother Sippert, who's uh, giving out the good word in Iraq and helping them to say something to the troops that might bless their hearts. And we're also praying for Brother Alexander Flanagan, uh, Sister Diane's uh, brother, uh, son, rather. And we're asking you, Lord, that you would just bless his leg as he's going through a basketball season. Would you just keep him away from all manners of injury? But now we thank you for those who are on our list, and we're praying for those uh, who are also uh, at the television station and the Forgotten Man Ministry, the victims of hurricanes and relief workers for the armed forces, home and abroad. We ask you that you just go with them and keep them safe and bring them home uh, able to walk and able to do all the things that they did before they left. We ask you that you would uh, resolve that situation over there by your wisdom and by your mercy. We know that there is a resolution for it. And we ask you, Lord, that you would give it to those who are in leadership, that they might be successful in bringing that problem to, uh, to a good resolution. We also pray for the young men and women in this neighborhood and for the salvation of our family and our friends as well. And now, Lord, we're thanking you for all who are in the place today. We're asking you that you give us traveling mercies as we go down from this place, or that you would bring us back at the appointed time. We just thank you, Lord, that uh, uh, we thank you, Lord, for, for Tremaine and her daughter who have come to worship with us today and we're asking lord that you would help them as uh, as they grow in grace and in the knowledge of jesus christ as well we thank you for these things that you've given us that we might be able to make the word plain and help us to continue to make it challenging that someone might believe that there is a reality in serving a true and a living god and now lord we thank you for all these things we thank you for your goodness for your mercy and for your grace and most of all we thank you for your sacrifice on the cross, for rising from the dead on that, sun, on that Sunday morning. Thank you, Lord, in the wonderful name of Jesus we pray. Amen and thank God. The trials and tribulations that Jesus underwent in order that he might be our great high priest were difficult, and he prayed for relief from his father, but then he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And as we face the trials and tribulations of life this week, let us remember Jesus' prayer, even as he prayed it, that we might be able to pray a similar prayer when things come before us with which we have to deal, that we might be able to tell God that we will do his will and say, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Let us remember all that Jesus Christ has done for us, and let us remember him now as we eat and drink together. And now may the love of God, the grace of Jesus Christ, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit rest within the Bible with us now, henceforth and forevermore. Let every heart say, Amen. Amen.